focused on the pressing and emerging needs in human resources and learning and talent development. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Now, here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. I'm super excited about our episode today with Peggy Sealfunt. Peggy is an internationally recognized personal development coach, wellness specialist, and speaker. She's the author of a wonderful book called Escape from Anxiety, Supercharge Your Life with Powerful Strategies from A to Z. And I tell you, the title might be misleading. Anybody that has stress or has gone through challenges or just wants more balance and health in their life, this book is a great resource for you. Welcome, Peggy. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much, Diana. I am thrilled to be here with you today. We met, I think it was almost two years ago when I was going through the yoga teacher training at the studio we both teach at here in Naples, Florida, Love Yoga Center. And you were such an influential person when I was learning to be a yoga teacher. What stands out about my experience in interacting with you initially was the wonderful technique that you taught us about which is yoga nidra, and it's a guided meditation. And I didn't realize fully how much I needed it until I was a student as you were teaching us this. And wow, it was so impactful. (laughs) And that's often so true. We don't realize how much we need to have some downtime and restorative experiences until we have them. And then we realize, Oh, that feels good. Yes. I wish that I learned more about yoga and self-care 30 years ago when I was in the midst of being an executive in corporate America, had so much going on, like many of our listeners, handling a lot of stress, both raising two young daughters and trying to balance everything at work and add in the stress of being one of the few executive women in my company, in my department at that time. And I didn't do as good of a job of taking care of myself, and I ended up not being as healthy and actually being pretty ill for a little bit, which forced me to change and adopt healthier habits. So as I was preparing Peggy today for our conversation, it was such a delight to read your book, and I know we'll talk about that. And just thinking about this interview made me happy because of the content and our ability to share these key learnings with other people. Well, thank you. And I have to say, I think that's how we all get into this space of wanting to help others is because of our own experiences. I went through a lot of suffering myself. I definitely, in my early years, got the experiences, got the t-shirt of suffering anxiety. And uh, it was really important for me to find solutions or I felt like I was literally going to die. And, you know, I started out in New York City as a journalist and I wrote for the New York Times and lots of other publications. And I was always dealing with these deadlines and it would make me crazy. I would have these manic creative highs and then I'd crash and burn. And it was really a tough kind of existence. You think back to some of these early experiences and you think, why did I make the choices I made? And I think that's a big part of it, too, is realizing, you know, we can make different choices. (laughs) So true. 
Before we really get into the meat of our topic, I'd love for you to give us a little bit more about your background, because I think it's one of the reasons that people gravitate to you, especially thinking about my audience being talent champions. And these are the people that are running learning and development, HR functions, large corporations, small corporations, uh, just doing a whole lot of things. And there's a lot of weight on their shoulders for doing the right things and helping other people do the right things and help their companies be more successful. And we know when you're in that mode of giving to others, you don't always take the time to take care of yourself. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more of your background and how you also came out of corporate America and how you found your way to do what you're doing now. I started out as a journalist in New York, and then I started my own company. I actually launched an advertising agency. Talk about stress. That was even more stressful. And along the way, I actually started training and learning about some of these different traditions that I've now blended into my integrated life system. And that really put me on a path that allowed me to be a little calmer and actually be able to be more productive and more creative. And so it led me to really wanting to, as a communicator, having a past of being a journalist, I thought other people need to know about these techniques. And I, like you, I wish I had learned them in my early 20s. And I mean, I really went through a lot of major challenges, illnesses that now I understand why many of us sort of get these kinds of illnesses because our immune system gets suppressed from too much stress. And I didn't know so many of these just human aspects as I was in my early years, just trying to make my mark and find my way. And now I work with people as young as teenagers and as old as octogenarians. So maybe just a little bit more in regards to what you do today, because I know there's a bunch of things on your plate. There's too many things. I teach a yoga nidra class once a week at Love Yoga because it was it was one of, for me, the most powerful techniques to be able to share with people. And I was actually having physicians who were sending me their patients um, to help them through things like fibromyalgia and even cancers and diabetes and, and the yoga nidra really activates dormant healing powers in one's body. And, and it was really beneficial for people to experience. Okay, now I know we probably whet their appetites and our audience is saying, <laughs> okay, what is this yoga nidra, this magical healing power? So can you give a little bit of an overview and what it's all about to our audience, please? So, yoga nidra is an ancient yogic practice. Uh, and a lot of these uh, patients that would come to me would say, wait, I can't do yoga. And at that time, when I first started, I called it integrative relaxation. And I would ask people, can you lie down or sit in a chair? And they'd nod their heads. Yes, I can do that. Then you can do this kind of yoga. And so it's really a guided experience that takes people into, into very deep levels of relaxation, into alpha, theta, even delta states, which are the states you go into when you go to sleep at night, only in this experience, you're conscious, but it has the impact of deep restorative sleep. They've actually done studies that show that just doing 20 minutes of yoga nidra is equivalent to three to four hours of deep REM, rapid eye movement sleep. 
I would highly recommend to our audience, if there's just one takeaway that you can have from this episode, is just give Yoga Nidra a try. So you can check it out at a local yoga studio. You can just Google it and find a video or an audio version. Or even better, you can go to Peggy's website. I know she has some resources there. And just try it. To be honest, I was not a big supporter of it as far as more of a relaxation style of yoga. So when I initially started taking yoga, I didn't even want to do slower yoga classes. They just didn't burn off enough calories. And once I started trying these more relaxing and meditative yoga sessions, and I'd feel the effects afterwards, just days of feeling a little bit more calm and at peace, you truly become a believer. So don't knock it until you try it. And at least, please, please try it. Wonderful advice. So anyway, so I I stuck with doing that once a week, but I do a lot of um, keynote talks uh, to corporate groups. I do corporate trainings. I do individual trainings, one-on-one with clients, helping them to supercharge their lives and to find their integrated life plan so that they can really be more successful in every aspect of their lives, in work, in personal life, uh, relationships, health, just everything. Uh, When you are integrated, everything benefits. Everything you are doing is so very exciting and energizing. Such impressive work that's truly making a difference to individuals and our community, and I believe in the world. Well, turning more towards corporate America, since that's a lot of where our audience is focused, and since we both came out of corporate America, where we both just admitted that we could have done a better job of balancing our life and our work and taking care of ourselves. We know that there is so much pressure out there in the business world on margins, on being asked to do more with less, you know, higher expectations. There's so much complexity in the marketplace and the workplace. So let me ask you this question, Peggy. Is it even possible to be productive, successful, and healthy in the midst of today's business world. It's funny that you asked that because I really didn't used to think there was a way. But now, just with all the experience I have, with all the people I've worked with, I know it's possible. And it's really important because it makes such a difference in your level of success because you actually can do so much more with less effort when you really balance things better. And it does require a commitment and really personal training in how to have that integrated life and kind of a vigilant awareness to to stay on that path so that you can stay in that zone and really be able to be more creative, be more productive, get along better with everyone. And at first, I think it's tough because it's counterintuitive. It's like, no, 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 I I can't stop now to take a break. I, I have to keep going. I have to get this done. I'm on this deadline. And yet it's so important because just working nonstop, trying to make those deadlines and and making those commitments, we don't realize how out of balance we get. In fact, I was working with a CEO of a nonprofit. And when she came to me, she had been running to urgent care every other week, positive that she was having a heart attack. And so these panic attacks were symptoms of chronic stress that she just wasn't paying attention to. She just kept working through it and pushing her way to the edge. 
And so we worked together on some simple techniques that she could incorporate into everyday life to stay calmer. And it actually helped her ability to communicate with her associates. And she got clearer about what she really wanted to do for herself. I can really relate to what you just shared. I know based on the changes I've made in my life, and part of it was forced upon me when I ended up getting out of balance in six, but I had to come back and rebalance things. And instead of just this mode of surviving, which initially I was doing, instead of just surviving, I learned how to thrive and to really create the right balance in my life to be healthier and happier and have more joy. You know, it's so interesting because I work with such a range of clients that each has such a unique source. But I guess at the end of the day, the bottom line is, is a feeling of being overwhelmed and frazzled and really not able to handle everything. And that can often be from a variety of, of sources. So each person has their own source and they pretty much know. And always there's one part of life that's out of balance. If your work is going great, oftentimes your health might be compromised or a relationship might be compromised. So it's always a work in progress. We always have to really pay attention. Don't get to that point of getting sick or having to really address it. If you can address it all along the way, it becomes easier. And that's where I hope that our audience is listening. And if they're feeling some of the stress or anxiety or feeling like maybe they're not taking care of themselves at the highest level so that they can show up and be most productive, not only for themselves, but for their family, for their teams, that there is hope and there is a better way. So before we get into solutions, based on your experience, what are some of the biggest sources of stress and anxiety for the clients that you work with? No, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. And I actually had a, a young couple who came to see me and everything seemed perfect in their lives. Uh, they had a five-year-old daughter and he had a great job. She could kind of do whatever she wanted and she was exploring some creative outlet, but ultimately he was not happy and they were trying to explore why? And it was interesting because it, it you know, again, just what you were talking about, uh, that pressure to perform at work or uh, relationships with associates. And it turned out that that was really at the core. He wasn't feeling respected by some of his associates. He felt like they were a lot younger than he was, and he, he should have garnered more respect from them. And his attitude about it was really feeding this discontent. And it's just so interesting, these subtleties that come up that can really permeate every aspect of, of your life if you don't pay attention to it. And I was really very proud of him that he knew enough that something was out of balance to be able to stop and address it. And we were able to come up with some great solutions for him. It's kind of what's rewarded as well, being busy, taking on more and more responsibility, Somebody was just sharing with me that they worked for a company that would give out awards for perfect attendance. So it encouraged people to come into work sick and not take care of themselves. So I think many times employees are just a product of their company's culture and work environment. But knowing some of our audience, I really believe that the people listening to this podcast are and can make a change to their environment, their work environment, and make it healthier for all of their employees. 
I think that's one of the beauties of what you're able to do is to take what happens to your body and explain it in a way that others understand. So maybe could you just take a few minutes and talk about what happens when stress occurs in our body and what happens when we have prolonged periods of stress? I think it's a good grounding and helpful foundation for our audience to have. You know, it's funny because that was one of the reasons why I started uh, training in things like neurosciences and functional medicine. And because I, d- I wanted to understand why these yogic techniques that were working so well were working so well, because I couldn't understand from the scientific perspective. And I think it does make a difference for people to sort of look at that. And it really boils down to the fact that stress is a biological reaction in our bodies to something we perceive as danger. And these days, the danger are our own fears and worries, and they sort of fill our awareness. And, you know, in the old days, it used to be a tiger. And of course, now we might have sharks, right? <laughs> but um, but now it's more our, of our own making. You know, what if I can't make that deadline? Is my child safe? You know, I, I might be fired tomorrow, and then I won't pay my bills. What am I going to do? And what happens is we literally create these patterns of worry. And when we're in that chronic state of stress, the brain is always setting off this danger reaction that's our fight or flight. Our our fight or flight response is really for our survival. So it speeds up our heart rate, our circulation, uh, the energy goes into our extremities so we can either fight or run away. And, you know, it's how a young mom whose child might be trapped underneath a car has the strength to lift up, you know, a 3,000 pound car. And the problem is that was meant for short bursts. And when we remain in that state for long periods, like I mentioned earlier, it suppresses the immune system and other non-essential functions, digestion. A lot of people start getting, you know, indigestive problems and uh, acid reflux, and it's all from stress. And the other aspect of it, it actually detaches us from the prefrontal cortex of the brain. And that's like the CEO of the brain. That's where we make decisions. That's where we, you know, really think clearly and sort through uh, big pieces of data and information. But when we're in that stress response, we now have retreated to like an animal instinct, to the reptilian part of the brain. And so the body's compromised at that point. We can't think clearly. We get foggy brained. You know, we just get nervous. We're shaking. We're tremulous. We can't sleep. We get sick. And it just totally undermines our ability to produce. Yes. And I think all of those things that you mentioned... If our audience has not experienced them firsthand, I'm sure that they're seeing some of their leaders and some of their workforce go through them. So maybe now turning over to how do you manage those? Because some of the stresses aren't going away. I don't see a lot of companies getting additional resources or lowering expectations. And I like what you said, control is within us. So maybe share some suggestions our audience can start doing to help themselves and create a healthier, more productive workforce. I call them interrupters. We have to interrupt that pattern. We have to stop the pattern or it becomes our default and we get stuck in it. It literally creates this um, neural pathways in our brain and that's what we keep defaulting back to. So if you understand that, then you realize, okay, wait, I can change this. I can do something about it. So the first step, of course, is 
recognizing that you have that pattern, that you worry about everything or this stresses you or that stresses you and, and just really paying attention so that you can begin to interrupt it. And so some of the techniques, I mean, there's such a range that it's sort of hard to narrow in on just a few, but I guess one of the most important is once you realize that you're worrying about something is to bring yourself into the present moment and, you know, let go of the past, forget about worrying about the future, be in this moment. What needs to be done right here, right now? Am I in danger now? Uh, is this a problem in this moment? And if it is, can I resolve it in this moment? And usually you can. The problem is, and, and this comes from my yogic training, is that we often look at reality through an emotional fog. And that's a lot of what leads to anxiety and inability to really perform well. And we're not looking at what's happening now. And oftentimes, the reality that we are seeing in the now is actually an outgrowth of the past. So for instance, I'm um, the third child of four very boisterous kids. And because my siblings were so loud, I literally felt invisible. So in my early days, I would carry this feeling into every situation I was in. I just felt like I was invisible. I didn't have a voice, which is maybe why I became a journalist. Um, but it was showing that inner characteristic that we all carry that sometimes we just aren't really aware of. And not that you even have to be aware of it, but you have to be able to interrupt that pattern enough to change it so that you're not held back from, you know, your true greatness today. In order to interrupt those moments, um, it's, it's good to develop some practices, some trainings that you can just default to rather than being upset or being angry or being irritated by someone. So I always um, start with just some basic techniques for taking breaks. For instance, in the neurosciences, um, the recommendation is that every 90 minutes, you take a time out. You take a pause just to rest the brain. Even if you're on deadline, even if you have so many things to do, by taking that one, two, or three minutes out, it will actually give you back a lot more time. So I actually use a program on my computer. It's an app that's free called iLeo. And iLeo is this little Leo character. And he's really annoying because I'm in the middle of writing something and he comes up and says, it's time to take a break. Or he'll tell me, move your eyes, let your eyes go left to right. And sometimes every 90 minutes, he comes up and says, okay, it's time to take a four minute break. And I'll go out in the other room and use my little rebounder, a little mini trampoline, and, and just get some energy moving. And it's amazing how much more productive you become just by taking that little break. I remember you using a term to describe when you take time away from your job or immediate focus, you called it a productivity pause. I do. I call it a productivity pause. And I believe if we could incorporate that practice into corporate America, just that one thing would make a big difference. It's not that you're taking extra breaks or time away to escape doing work. It's a needed energizing boost so that you can come back and you'll be even more engaged and productive. I love the way you frame the need for a productivity pause. Well, and that's because uh, I do a lot of the keynote talks to like corporate annual meetings and things like that. And so to corporate groups, I, it, 
it's hard for them to get their arms around, especially men, a lot of the men I work with, and it's just the way the male brain is wired. Uh, you say the word meditation and they're, they're tuned out. But you say a productivity pause and they're curious. So it's about meeting people where they are and getting their attention to give them what they need, but they don't realize they need it. That's the beauty of combining these two worlds, Eastern and Western practices. And I really like how you provide advice and examples of how yoga or healthier practices can fit into your work and your personal life in a not so overwhelming way. Honestly, as I was starting to go through the path of becoming a yoga instructor, some of the background history beliefs and practices of the extreme yogis can be a little out there for the average person. So for me, yoga has been a way to be healthier by getting more connected to my mind, body, and spirit. And my spirit is around increasing my connection and faith in God. So I like what you said. It's about meeting people where they are and giving them the tools to be healthier and happier. I personally, though, believe if more people did do yoga, the world would be a healthier and happier and more I kind agree. place. And, and, you know, you look at some of the school systems now, they're actually introducing meditation to kids instead of detention or medication Uh, And it makes a big difference. And words are also really important. So one of the other things I work with clients on is developing affirmations or positive statements that they can use as a break. And they'll have three words, let's say, that they can actually put on their phone as a three o'clock in the afternoon reminder. This is how I want to show up in the world. This is who I want to be. And one of the products I actually developed, which a lot of corporate clients like for their coffee breaks, is the I Am Happy Now mugs. And inside the each mug, there's a couple of words to remind you. So one of them will have confident, serene, another might have brave, passionate, and then the outside of the mug has a different design, but they all say, I am happy now. So when you're confident and serene, you're happy now. When you take that moment to really digest those words, you can manifest that. And it really helps. It makes a huge difference. It's a vibrational impact. So what you say, especially to your employees, to your staff, to your boss, they all carry a lot of weight. And it's really important to be mindful even about the words that you use. Yes, I think affirmations are so powerful. That's something I learned later on in my career is how important it is to have affirmations for yourself. So I had three words that I would put on my mirror in the morning when I was getting ready for work, especially if I had to go into a challenging meeting or give an important presentation. And my three words were confident, calm, and at peace, because I knew if I could do all three of those things, I would show up and do my best. Perfect. I love it. That's great. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So my three words are passionate, purposeful, and peaceful. So every day at like 3.30, it comes up on my phone and I look at it and it reminds me. Though after I get sick and I learned the critical importance of better balance in my life, I did change out confidence to healthy. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. You know, I, 
that's one of the things that I do with clients too, is like encourage them every three months, reevaluate where you are and what's important because we keep changing. And that's one of the beauties of life is noticing those changes evolving and choosing, you know, more and more beneficial things. And they may be different than they were a year ago. Yes. And another thing I really liked that you mentioned in the book was be careful about what you say, especially as the leader. And that's one of the things I've learned as I've moved up through the ranks to an executive level, because everything you're saying is casting a shadow and you want it to be the right shadow. (laughs) So I like your example in the book when you were talking about you were coaching a 19-year-old boy, I think his name was Bruce. And he was in a pretty low spot in his life and not feeling very happy. He had a lot of negative things and a lot of negative feelings. So what you coached him to do is when people would talk to him, instead of sharing everything that was going on when he was asked, how are you doing? Instead, when people asked him, how are you doing? Is say great which started to create more of a positive mindset and a positive environment around him, which helped him to move forward and start feeling better and get to great. So I think it's a great lesson for our talent champions. And it's one of the things that I coach my executives to do. When someone asks them, how are you doing? Think first about the shadow you want to cast and the environment you want to create before answering. So instead of saying things like, oh, things are crazy, or I'm really, really busy, that seems to be a favorite of executives to say, you know, you don't need to share that you're overloaded or overwhelmed. So what I would personally do when people asked me as an executive how I was feeling or how I was doing, I would say fabulous or awesome. And I'd I'd respond back with something about my phenomenal team and some wonderful things we were energized we were working on. And it would just change the conversation to be more uplifting and positive in a much different shadow I was casting than just sharing how busy and overloaded I was. So my advice is, even if you're not feeling fabulous or awesome, is say it and it'll start to cast that shadow and you'll start feeling like that and you'll start to create a better environment. So maybe it is a little of fake it until you make it. That's it. That's it. And it's so important to, again, be mindful about the things that you're saying and how you're saying it and your attitude. So sometimes you focus on things that aren't really productive and that becomes kind of your whole world. In fact, I was working with a client this morning and um, he has a sort of anger management issue and he tends to take it out in ways that are really destructive in his relationships. So he always seems to blame his wife for his stress and discontent. And so it's about really having him step back, change his focus, look at the bigger picture, see a different perspective and how wonderful his life really is and and all the ways that it's wonderful. And now that shifts his focus from sort of the things that maybe aren't working so well and aren't terrific and things he may have to address, but it doesn't have to take up 90% of his time. He can spend 10% of his time focusing on the things he might need to change that aren't working and 90% of his time really appreciating what he has and allowing him to be free in his relationship to see the better sides. 
And it's really how you approach the situation. Happiness is an inside job. So if you're looking outside yourself for everyone else to make you happy, it's not going to happen. And it's in the work situation, in personal situations, it really filters through to everything. Beautifully said. I love that happiness is an inside job. And it, you can't, or it's too important to give, give to others to do for you. And you're not responsible for other people's happiness. That's the other thing. And that's an an interesting dynamic because sometimes we have to kind of let go of attachments of trying to change or manage other people in ways that really aren't their nature. It's important to celebrate people for what their talents and gifts are. And if they're not doing the job you want them to do because maybe you didn't give them the right kind of instructions, or maybe this isn't the right job for them. Relocate them, put them into the area that they can really thrive in. And, you know, the more you do work that you're passionate about and that you're really good at, the more it feels like play. It doesn't feel like work at all. One more area I would love for you to touch on is breath. And I think about if I would have read or heard from you and how you explain breath and the importance of it and the importance of breathing in and then breathing out the 70% or more of the toxins that get in our body just by breathing, I think I would have changed and become a huge supporter of breath work earlier on. So could you share a little insight as to why it's so important to focus on breathing? It is shocking. Isn't that amazing? We don't breathe. You know, when we're stressed, when we're nervous, when we're working really hard, our shoulders tend to be hunched forward. Uh, The lungs are a bit collapsed. We're not really taking deep breaths. And that's actually a good interrupter right there is to just pause, um, put your hands behind your back, interlace your fingers, press your shoulder blades back and take a few very slow, deep breaths and let it go with a sigh. And that really helps cleanse. It just helps you recharge in that moment. So yes, breath is really, really important and we don't value it enough. We we are all shallow breathers. And once again, mindfulness comes into play. So, you know, set your alarm every two hours, let it go off. So you stop, you take some deep cleansing breaths and you feel great. I remember hearing that we have the capacity to fill our lungs up like a gallon jug, like a big gallon jug of milk. But we tend to breathe like those teeny little, I think they're half pint um, cartons that we would get in school. And that's what we tend to use that much lung capacity instead of the full range it's amazing. That's why I actually I'm doing it right now as I'm talking to you. I've got my hands behind my back. I'm stretching. It feels really good. And it's really good because um, so many of us are, you know, leaning forward, working on our digital devices, our smartphones. And we're, we're even we're talking about the fact that millennials are now getting this old age hump on the back of their necks from doing that. So just by putting your hands behind your back and stretching it out and taking some deep breaths, oxygenates all the cells and helps posture and just helps performance. So we talked about productivity pauses, affirmations, breathing, and how you need to own your own happiness. Are there any other daily habits that you would suggest if somebody's looking for maybe just one or two more things that they could do or incorporate into their daily practice to help them be less stressed, whether it's themselves or in their work environment with their employees? What would you recommend? So 
my favorite really kind of incorporates the productivity pause in a, like a three minute timeout. So I have a, a free audio. Uh, your listeners can just go to three minutes to de-stress.com. And in three minutes, uh, you'll be guided to close your eyes and uh, do some gentle neck rotations and take some deep breaths. And it is amazing what just that three minutes can do for you. It's like a total reset. And you feel like, okay, I can do anything now. And I often recommend that even to like, I work with a lot of college kids. Colleges these days have the most stressed out kids. And uh, before they take exams, before they go into a really challenging situation, they just do the three minute timeout and they're good to go. It's amazing the difference it makes. So it's really simple. And who doesn't have three minutes? Right. I love how you break it down and make it more realistic and achievable. You know, just see how you feel after those three minutes. I remember I was working with more of a holistic executive coach when I was an executive. And one day I was super busy. And since I didn't have time to squeeze in another appointment, I asked her if we could do our coaching session over lunch. So at least that way I knew I would get to eat. So when I showed up at the restaurant, she said to me, why don't you sit down? You look a little stressed and distracted. Why don't we spend a few minutes and just practice breathing, like start with 10 deep breaths. And I remember looking at her and thinking, are you crazy? Do you understand how busy I am and you just want me to sit here and breathe? So I said, you know what, let me do this. And I remember her guiding me to put my feet down and to really get me to go inside and focus on 10 deep breaths. And afterwards, I was like, oh my gosh, that felt so amazing. And the other thing that's really amazing is once you experience that and you realize, wow, that really does feel good, I assure you within the next few hours, you've completely forgotten and never think to use it again. And uh, I have a client that I've been working with and one of the things that I was doing with her was I would check in with her a couple of times a week just to follow up on one of these productivity pauses uh, that I had asked her to do daily. And this particular day, she really didn't feel stressed. So she wasn't going to do it, but she knew I was going to be calling and she didn't want to lie to me. So she did it. And she said, you know what? After I did it, she said, I didn't realize how stressed I had been feeling. I felt so much better. And I think that's the other thing is sometimes we don't realize it. So you have to like prioritize it, program it into your schedule so that you just do it. One of the things I love to ask my guests is who's had the greatest impact on your professional life? And why wouldn't you not be where you are today without that person's influence? I have to point to the person who really put me on this path, and that is Sri Amritji, Gurudev Amrit Desai. And I went to my first weekend getaway. Um, I really didn't want to go. A friend of mine talked me into going and spending time in his presence and learning some of these ancient wisdom teachings just made me feel so calm. It connected me to a place that I had long forgotten. I've always been a type triple A personality. So it was go, go, go. And this idea of, you know, just taking some time and learning some of these philosophies and techniques just made such a dramatic difference on my life. Now it didn't stick. I went back to my old ways. But a few months later, I went back and thought, you know, I need to get some training in this. And actually, it was during my yoga nidra training 
that I had that aha moment of doing a book with uh, Gurudev, as we call him, to make this information more available to the masses, you know, to mainstream it and make it more accessible to more people. And that's how we ended up doing um, Embodying the Power of the Zero Stress Zone book. That's wonderful. Great. Love hearing it. What final piece of advice do you have for our talent champions? Because you've shared a lot. And so maybe just thinking about one thing that they could start doing now after hearing so many wonderful things. So my best advice would be to start every morning with at least 10 minutes for yourself, a quiet time to just really either do the three minutes to distress as part of it, do some stretching, do some deep breathing, but just announce for yourself in that quiet time how you want to show up in your day. And most successful CEOs do begin their days with meditation, or they even use meditation throughout their day. We need that quiet brain time to reflect. And here's the key for that, especially for corporate executives. It is a great way to truly prioritize your task list. Once you've been in this quiet place for 10 minutes in the morning, you can really discern more clearly what's important. So that would really be my go-to advice. Right. I would also highly recommend that people get your book since there's so much great information in the book. And I love how you've laid it out. There's pictures and there's advice throughout the book, especially at the end when you talk about how do you take these healthy habits and incorporate them in your day-to-day life. Because I know sometimes, and I've been there, is you can read these things or you hear a speaker and you get so motivated and it's like, all right, I'm going to do all these things. And you try to change your life in a week. And at the end of the week, you're like, wow, I'm tired. I can't do all this. And then you go back to your old ways. Well, and that's the really important part. It's finding something that you can really incorporate into your lifestyle that's really beneficial for you and is sustainable. That was the key of Escape from Anxiety. And there's over 100 techniques in there. So as you read through it, you can pick and choose, well, what would I do? What can work for me? And just pick one. Just pick two. Don't overload and get overwhelmed because then that becomes another stress. It's really simplifying. And okay, this sounds like something I could manage. And when you do and you start using it regularly, it can change your life truly. And that's why it's so good not to overcommit. Just pick one or two things and make some smaller changes and then build on them. And it's important to experiment for yourself what works for you. And then what works and what's really good, make it a habit. And it takes 30 to 90 days to create new habits. So you do have some work to do. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot, Peggy. We didn't discuss this up front, but I wanted to see if you could share one of your stories from the book, a story that I feel would really help us wrap up this episode, going back to something that you referenced earlier on about how things are within our control. So could you tell us the wolf story? I think it's just a great way to put in perspective some of the things that we've talked about today. (laughs) It's, you know, it's an old Indian proverb or story, and and it's about this young boy who asks his grandfather about, you know, the meaning of life, and the, and the grandfather explains that, son, you have two wolves inside you, and he explains, you have one that's full of 
anger and full of uh, all sorts of uh, imbalances, shall I say. And then you have one that's kind and loving and caring and um, in alignment, and they're in battle. They're in battle with one another inside you. And the son looks up at the grandfather and says, well, I don't understand which one wins the battle. And the grandfather says, whichever one you feed. It's so true. You think about it, just taking a step back and look at what you're doing. And are you feeding the one that's going to help you be calmer, more focused and relaxed? And like you said, will help you make better decisions. Or are you feeding the one that's frenzy, creating more stress, fear, anxiety, and guilt? So thank you so much for sharing that story and the advice. This time with you has been so wonderful. Thank you so much. And as we wrap up, how can our listeners get in touch with you or continue to learn more from you? So my website actually has a wealth of information and and lots of free audios and programs. Um, I even actually have a recent piece on there about work-life balance, and that's at PeggySealFon.com. You can also friend me on Facebook, Peggy Sealfon, personal development coach and author. And you can, if you're interested in supercharging your life and interested in coaching, you can read more about that at integratedlifeplan.com. And that really outlines all the different kinds of questions to ask yourself to start with to see, am I really ready for that kind of change? Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you as our guest. So listeners, I'm going to challenge you to take one thing from today's session and implement it. You know, start to move forward on your path to being more supercharged so that you never run out of energy. And then we'd love to hear from you and how you're doing. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Diana. It's really been a joy and a pleasure to be here with you. And I love the work that you're doing. And I'm just happy to be part of it and share in it. So thank you. To wrap up, I'm going to summarize the key takeaways from today's episode. You can begin to balance your life, manage stress, and reduce anxiety by making small but powerful changes to your mindset and using time-tested techniques that don't take up more than a few minutes of your day. Give Yoga Nidra a try. You don't have to be super flexible. If you can sit in a chair or lie on the floor, you can do Yoga Nidra. It's a relaxing, meditative yoga practice that leaves lasting effects. Visit our website, talent-champions.com, to find links to these and other resources that Peggy recommended. Chronic stress creates patterns of worry in our brains, which can lead to a perpetual state of fight or flight. It's critical to understand the sources of your feelings when you're overwhelmed and frazzled. Figuring out which part of your life is out of balance will allow you to address those feelings in a productive way before it all comes to a head and you're forced to deal with it in the form of physical health issues. Happiness is an inside job. So many of us live in patterns of stress and feeling like, if I can just get to the next point, things will get better. Unfortunately, when you're in that pattern, there's always ending up yet one more thing to overcome before you can make changes. To break the cycle, commit to being in the present moment and embracing the current phase of your journey. Giving your brain a brief rest when you're under a deadline actually makes you more productive. 
It feels counterintuitive to stop working when every minute counts, but try it sometime. Productivity pauses do work. Deep cleansing breathing is another tool that can clear out stress and help you focus. Start your day with time for yourself, including affirmations of the way you desire to be, and set up reminders of those affirmations throughout the day as a touchstone. Reevaluate periodically. Life changes, we change, and our affirmations need to evolve over time as well. By giving yourself a few minutes of peace in the morning, you'll unlock your ability to be calm, present, and it will be even easier to prioritize your task list. Above all, pick one or two things to try. If you attempt to overhaul your whole life in one fell swoop, it won't last. Start small and focus on making that one change stick. Thanks for listening. I wish you a less stressful rest of your day. Come back in two weeks as we tackle cultural agility in the workplace. Such a fascinating topic. Cultural agility is the ability to understand and navigate multiple cultures, and it's becoming a critical competency in almost every organization today, especially at the leadership level. Subscribe on our website, talent-champions.com, to receive an email notification when the episode is released. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. For more information about today's show, please visit talent-champions.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, check out Franklin Covey's other podcasts, Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller and Franklin Covey on Leadership, available from your favorite podcast provider.